The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, what a time to come in and recognize and to reflect on the holiness of God. You know, there are some things in life that are really indescribable, and there are many things that are incomprehensible. We can't comprehend them indescribable in the fashion that as hard as we try, it's very difficult to communicate, uh, to describe some things or some events that we've experienced in life. I can recall years ago when I had seen Niagara Falls for the first time. We were in Canada for the summer, and we went on the Canadian side to see the falls, and it was incredible you could actually feel the, the, the ground rumble as we approached some distance away from the falls because of the force of the falls, and the, the mist would travel well over a mile uh, to begin to hit us in the face before we came to the falls. And after that experience, trying to communicate, to try to describe to others what Niagara Falls was like, I, I couldn't do it. I you just it was one of those things I said, you just have to be there yourself to to understand. I can remember the time in Zambia seeing Victoria Falls in very much the same kind of way that that it was just indescribable until one experienced it and saw it, they wouldn't be able to comprehend how magnificent it was. Some things are incomprehensible, incomprehensible. Uh, when this COVID-19 virus first began to break out, we didn't comprehend all that was taking place, and still it, it's very difficult to understand what's taking place. And, and there are things in life sometimes where we're not at that point to be able to fully comprehend the full weight of it. How many of you ever had a little child ask you, where do babies come from? Well, you know the answer, but you know that little child is not going to be able to understand, and so that's where we get the story of the stalk. Well, so it is with the holiness of God. How can we really describe the holiness of God? As much as we would try to and as much as the songs we just sang express the holiness of God, it's something that is beyond our comprehension in our natural self. It's beyond our ability to fully describe. It's something that we just have to see and understand. The Bible gives us many instances of the description of the holiness of God. I'm I'm reminded that none of us this morning, myself or you included, are really qualified to describe the holiness of God. I want to read what A.W. Tozer writes in his book, the knowledge of the holy as he speaks of this. He says that we cannot grasp the true meaning of the divine holiness by thinking of something or someone very pure and then raising the concept to the highest degree that we are capable of. God's holiness is not simply the best we know, infinitely bettered. We know nothing like the divine holiness It stands apart, unique, unapproachable, incomprehensible, and unattainable. The natural man is blind to it. He may fear God's power and admire God's wisdom, but His holiness he cannot even imagine. 
one of the better known passages in Scripture that describe to us the holiness of God is found in the prophet's writing in, in Isaiah chapter 6. And here we read in Isaiah chapter 6 that in the year that King Uzziah died, beginning uh, here at verse 1 in chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robes filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, those are the angels that are there, whose jobs 7 and 24, 365 days are to worship and magnify God in His splendor. And above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And here we see Isaiah as he recounts the, the vision, as he's caught up in the throne room of God, and he sees the seraphim, the angels that are worshiping God and crying, Holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah sees the glory and the holiness of God. And it was such a revelation to Isaiah that when he looked upon and gazed upon the holiness of God, his first response was to say, woe is me for I am lost. You see, when we get a glimpse, when we begin to understand when the Spirit of God quickens our heart to the holiness of God, our first response is like Isaiah who said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And then he says, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. You see, the recognition of the holiness of God, the, the recognition of, of the sinfulness of Isaiah and us as well, and the recognition that God is so holy and I am so sinful that I'm separated from Him. And then the angel touches his lips and says, now your sins have been atoned for. They've been taken away and your sins have been forgiven. The psalmist writes in Psalm 99, chapter 9, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy mountain, for the, Lord of the, for the Lord our God is holy. That's why we worship God. That's why we sing expressions of song to God. That's why everything that we're called to do, we're called to give glory and worship God because God is holy and there is none like Him. Hannah prayed in her prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, he, she said, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. How do we describe the holiness of God? Well, theologians have attempted for years, centuries, to describe the holiness of God. 
most theologians that you would read would sum it up somewhere, some way like this. This is a theologian, Dennis Mock, who says this, God is morally excellent in describing the holiness of God, that God is morally excellent, perfect, pure, and absolutely separate from sin and evil. Holiness is that which makes God divine and distinctly different from all above. There's not an action that God were to do that would be unholy. He can't because He is holy. There's not a decision that God would make that would be unholy. He cannot because He is holy. There's not an event that God would allow that is, that is unholy because He is holy and ultimately His purposes will be fulfilled. And yes, He even uses the evil in this world to fulfill and accomplish His purposes. God is holy. There's not the inkling of sin as we understand sin in God. The Bible says that that God cannot be tempted by sin, nor he, nor will He tempt others by sin. It's impossible for God to do that. God is holy, and as much as we try to imagine in our natural self, it's impossible to fully comprehend the holiness of God. Let me quote what A.W. Tozer said in this same chapter of his book. He says, holy is the way God is. To be holy, He does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. He is absolutely holy with an infinite, incomprehensible fullness of purity that is incapable of being other than what it is. Because He is holy, His attributes of holy, that is, whatever we think of as belonging to God, must be thought of as holy." And so, what do we do in light of this holiness of God? I can remember the year that I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. I couldn't tell you a lot about the person of Christ. I couldn't tell you a whole lot about the person of God. Oh, I had learned the stories growing up in church where I, I cut my teeth in the nursery at a little Baptist church. And I had had all of the stories. I had example of my parents. I had other godly believers in my life that, that lived a holy life. But to try to describe God to you, I really couldn't. But the one thing that stood out to me as I began to respond to God's drawing of my heart to Him was that as I began to read the Scriptures, one thing was very evident. I discovered that God is absolutely holy. And in that, I also discovered that there was a separation between me and God, just as Isaiah realized when he got in God's presence and he saw the holiness of God, I began to recognize that I am utterly sinful. You didn't have to tell me I was sinful. I was a sailor in those days, and I bragged about being sinful. But the full realization of my sinfulness at the very core of who I was began to come to light as I saw the holiness of God. You see, I'm convinced that until we see the holiness of God, we cannot really fully understand our state and our condition apart from God through Christ Jesus because we're so far from Him that we'll not see it. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you had a Woe is me, for I am lost moment in your life. 
You see, the Bible describes our condition in this way, quoting from, from Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jesus described the heart of man in this way in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, our condition and our state. He says, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts. Before this, he said, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean, but it's what comes out of his heart. And what comes out of the natural man's heart are evil thoughts. He goes on to say, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. You see, while we may not ever commit any of those acts, it is in us. It's in our nature. And that nature separates us from God because God cannot even look upon sin. We have a problem, don't we? God is separate from us because He is holy and, and we are so utterly sinful. Then, then where does that leave us? Well, here's where it leaves us. Do you recall in the story in Isaiah that as Isaiah was there and he sees the holiness of God and he recognizes that he is lost, at that moment the angel takes the coal from the, from the fire and places it on his lips and he says, your guilt is taken away your sins are atoned for. You see, it's only the Holy Spirit of God that can reveal to us, describe to us, make it comprehensible to us the holiness of God and our utter sinfulness in our natural state and condition. You see, man in his natural ability is not able to recognize that. But the Holy Spirit of God uses the Word of God and the, the expression of God to, to make us know that He is holy and that we are sinful. And it's at that moment that the gospel calls us, beckons us to place our trust in what Christ has done for us by shedding His blood for us, making an atonement for our sins, that, that our guilt would be forever removed and then he promises that he will give us a new heart. Listen to what Ezekiel says in his letter, chapter 36, verse 26. Describes this new heart like this as God has foretold. He said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Have you had that experience, that time, where God has, by His power and by His saving grace, removed that old heart and given you a new heart, as Ezekiel describes here in his prophecy? Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, of this experience that takes place for the believer when he trusts Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 17, Paul writes, he says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you are now committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Have you been set free from sin? 
that has held you in bondage and captivity, Jesus offers a way, and it's through His blood if you'll place your trust in what He has done for you. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, referring to, to that new heart that only He is able to give to us. Verse 38 in chapter 7 of the book of John, He says, whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. You see, we have that old heart. We have that old sin nature. And there's nothing that we can do to clean it up. There's no act. There's no, uh, there's no ritual of religion that any of us can do to clean up that old heart. We can't whitewash it. It requires a new heart. In the words of Jesus, we have to be born again. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians, speaking of this change of heart that we who have trusted Christ experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I want to ask you this morning, have you had that experience where you have recognized by the Holy Spirit of God, the holiness of God, and how far removed you are from being in the presence of God in a relationship in, in fellowship with Him because your sin and you recognize that you are utterly undone because of your sin. This morning, Jesus wants to offer you a way that you might have your sins atoned for, your guilt removed, and the hope of everlasting life in fellowship, eternal fellowship with God through Him and His blood that He shed for us. This morning, in closing, what I would like to do is... is invite you wherever you are. Uh, you may be sitting in front of your computer. You may be casting it on your television screen. You may be listening to one of our podcasts or through YouTube or Facebook. But right where you are this morning, if you have recognized the holiness of God and you realize your sinfulness and you desire to have your sins forgiven, your guilt atoned for, your sins removed from you, your guilt taken away, and you can have that new birth in Christ that He will recreate in you a new heart, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I recognize that, God, You are a holy God. And God, I see that, that I am utterly sinful, God. At, at my very core, God, my thoughts are, are evil, God. My, my, my thoughts are usually self-motivated and what's in it for me, and I'm really not concerned about others. God, I realize that at the core of my very being, God, I am a sinful man. Lord Jesus, this morning I recognize, I trust and believe that you shed your blood as an atonement for my sins, that my sins might be forgiven and my guilt removed. And this morning... Lord, I want to place my trust in you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, create in me a clean heart. God, renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I pray that you would save me this morning. And Lord, I believe by faith that your word says that, that if we'll 
confess with our mouth and, and believe in our hearts that Christ died and was buried and was raised again, Lord, I'll be born again. And so, Lord, I trust what your word says. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer this morning, there's nothing magical about the prayer. There's nothing mystical about the prayer. I would be encouraged if you would either send a private note through Facebook or YouTube, a comment there. Let us know that you've trusted Christ this morning as your Savior, and we want to follow up and get in touch with you. You can also go to our website, which is www.firstconyers.com, and you can fill out that little Connect card there. Give us your information. Let us know the decision that you've made this morning, and we'll follow up with you to, to walk alongside of you in this new journey that you've begun today. Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.